that's what we're going to be doing. What is an Oasis Church? Here's a picture of us. This was taken before they knocked the end of the building off uh, one Sunday morning. And that, of course, is what people normally think of when they think of a church. There is Oasis Church. We've even got a stained glass window and a cross. We must be a church. Proof positive. Actually, what we mean by church and what you're part of in as far as you're part of this community here is not that at all. Now, it happens to be Sunday morning and we happen to be sat here like this. So, there you go. That's what we are. But actually, if you take this snapshot of us, it doesn't tell you much about who we are at all. It tells you something, but it really doesn't tell you the heart of what Oasis as a church is at all. Our logo, uh, this logo, the circle of inclusion, there's bits of it everywhere um, on this building and on the buildings that uh, we own around the country or are responsible for around the country. This circle, as I'm sure you know, is called, well, it's the messy O of Oasis. It's the O of Oasis. It's the circle of inclusion, and sometimes we call it messy O, sometimes we call it circle of inclusion. It's the same thing, really. Um, it sums up, in many ways, what Oasis Church and Oasis is all about. Now, the first thing to say is this, that the whole of Oasis, Oasis now a large organization around the world, um, employing about 5,500 people in this country, um, providing education for more than 25,000 young people, uh, providing housing for hundreds of people. Last year, sourcing housing for over a 1,000 young, vulnerable people around the country, running lots of houses, um, children's centres. I don't know how many children's centres we run, actually, but uh, we run lots of children's centres uh, around the country, working in terms of all sorts of other projects, like the ones we do here uh, in this community. It's all summed up by this. But all of it began out of church. Oasis began with church. It began with me, actually, and my faith in Christ. Church, therefore, is at the very centre of everything that Oasis does, wherever it does it around the world and wherever it does it uh, in this country. Everything that Oasis does is an ongoing expression a living out of what it means to follow Jesus. That's why we have a messio, the O of Oasis. Because to live for Christ is messy. To include others is messy. We'll look at that in a little bit more detail now. This is our messy circle. And community is many-stranded. It's never uniform. It's never neat. It's never tidy. Oasis churches, out of which everything that Oasis does is generated, out of which everything Oasis does in this community is generated, Oasis churches are inclusive communities. And they're inclusive communities because they're gathered round, we're gathered round, the life and the message and the example of Jesus, the great includer. Inclusion is at the heart of the Bible. Do you know, 
you'll never guess how many Christians tell me that inclusion isn't a biblical concept. I, you, I am staggered. I've, I've debated with university professors, etc., professors in theology, who tell me inclusion is not part of what the Bible teaches. It's a foreign concept that's been inched in. In fact, at the very beginning, you'll all understand this, the people of Israel begin with the call of that great man, Abraham. Not just the people of Israel, um, but all, all um, not just the Jews, but all, uh, the three great Abrahamic faiths. Judaism, Christianity, and Islam all begin with the story of a man called Abraham who's called by God to bring blessing to all the peoples of the earth. Whoever you bless, I will bless. I will make your name great and will make you a blessing to all. To quote the Quran, which isn't often done in churches on a Sunday morning, the Quran teaches simply that God said to Abraham, I will make you a great leader of all men. Inclusion is at the beginning. To bless all the peoples, and that's many-stranded, and it's not neat, but it's who we are. So the aim of our church here is to love God, and because we love God, to love others, all others as the way we love ourselves. That's to state the obvious, but it's, an, it's a good beginning. And therefore, all the things that we're involved in, oh, let me, um, um, the PowerPoint's not working properly, therefore, I can't tell which slide's coming next. <laughs> and this isn't the one I thought. So, <laughs> I was going somewhere else, and now I'm going to go back, and there you go. So, um, Brian McLaren, some of you will know, he's great at Christian author and our friend, and he's been to speak here several times. Brian puts it this way. What if Jesus didn't come to start a new religion, but rather came to start a political, social, religious, artistic, economic, intellectual, and spiritual revolution that would give birth to a new world? That is what we believe. We believe that the message of Jesus has everything to do with everything. We believe that life is integrated. And that's why we're involved in uh, the community. Ah, still not what I expected it to be. <laughs> but I've now worked out what the order actually is. <laughs> so, back in the 1970s, um, a great professor at Harvard called um, Hybert, uh, um, he did some work at Fuller. Fuller is um, a great center of Christian theological missional thinking. It's in California. It's in the States. And uh, it's, it has a fantastic reputation. And uh, this professor did some thinking. Before he'd studied uh, um, theology and anthropology, the study of how people get along together, um, he was a mathematician. And in moving from maths into theology, he did a fantastic piece of work. He took his mathematics and his understanding of um, bounded and open sets 
from mathematics, closed and open sets. He took all of that, understand it, and he applied it to Christianity because he was in the heart of this missional theological seminary, which we call uh, Fuller, still there today. He described bounded sets in mathematics. A bounded set in mathematics is a set of numbers that's created um, to demonstrate that all the numbers that belong to it have the same characteristic. The set is made up, it's bounded, because every number in that set belongs together. It's a homogenous group, really. And a bounded set is defined by a clear boundary. So even numbers under 10 is a bounded set. 2, 4, 6, and 8. It's bounded. No other number can fit in, not 7 or 3 and 3 quarters. No numbers except those four fit into that set. It's a bounded set. A bounded set in mathematics contains only objects or numbers that are uniform in their essential characteristics. Therefore, a bounded set is essentially static. The bounded set of even numbers between 0 and 10, not including 0 and 10, is always static. If you... If you ask yourself what fits inside this category today, and then you ask yourself what fits in this side this category on the first Sunday of 2017 or 2018 or 3023, it will still be exactly the same. It's immovable. It's unchanging. A bounded set has to do with changeless structures of reality. They're defined in terms of universal unchanging truths that will ever stand. And the central question that they therefore raise, bounded sets, is whether an object or a number is inside or outside the set. Because if the set is even numbers from 0 to to 8, between 0 and 10, the number 12, though it's an even number, or 20 or 30 or 36, or 48 does not fit in. You're either in or you're out. And that's the way it is forever. It's always like that. And Heibert went on to say these things. He said, if we and when we begin to think of religion or Christianity like a bounded set, we inevitably end up focusing on external characteristics, such as a set of doctrines. You can belong as long as you believe in the virgin birth. You can belong as long as you believe in the Trinity. You can belong as long as you believe that these verses need to be applied and understood and interpreted in these ways. You can belong as long as you fit in to our neat circle where nothing ever changes. And that's why so many churches are divided over issues of women in leadership. It's why churches are divided over issues 
around race and abortion, etc., 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 all of those things, because you're either in or out. And most churches, actually, most institutions in life are bounded sets. A golf club is a bounded set. A male golf club is a bounded set. Crystal Palace Supporters Club is a bounded set. If you're a Chelsea supporter, bad luck, you're going to lose later, but you do not belong. Where Palace are playing Chelsea later on. I know that was a bit beyond some of you, but you see, that's because you're not in the bounded set called a Palace supporter. If you were, you'd understand. Those on the inside understand stuff that those on the outside don't get and can't see. And the boundary of a bounded set um, is really important. So when we see religion, Christianity as a bounded set, we become obsessive about boundary maintenance. We become excessive about judgment. We become excessive about whether persons or groups are in or out. And we have to work to maintain the sharpness of the boundary. Because if people get in who shouldn't be there, they pollute what's inside. We all get contaminated. We get watered down, diluted. A bounded set, therefore, and bounded set Christianity, said Hybert, always gives rise to dogmatism. And it gives rise to judgmentalism. And it gives rise to intolerance. Intolerance of those Chelsea fans. Intolerance of everybody who's outside because they're not inside. The thing about bounded set churches, said Hybert, is this, is they grow. They grow real quick. Because most people in life don't want to think, they just want to know black and white what's in or out. Have you noticed... I mean, when I was growing up, there were churches that you got thrown out of if you raised your hands while singing in worship. Truly, I belonged to one. And then I belonged to one where you got thrown out if you didn't raise your hands while singing in worship. You got thrown out because your doctrine or your view or your orthodoxy is different to the orthodoxy of the bounded uh, bounded sect. Bounded set churches are easy to grow. Bounded set institutions are easy to grow. But I was listening to Radio 4 this morning um, to broadcast in-house. And there was a guy who'd been an evangelical Christian. He became an evangelical... He said he was an evangelical Christian. He became an evangelical Christian when he was 16. And then he said, through his 20s and 30s, he slowly, slowly began to doubt and think. And he reached the point in his 40s. He never quite said when it was. He was a real great thinking guy. He said, I just gave it up. I walked out completely. I gave it up. Why? He didn't say this at all. Because he belonged to a bounded set form of Christianity that didn't allow him to think. There's a terrible point in life, thing in life, isn't there, where if I'm not allowed to ask a question. Isn't it awful if you can't say, why do we think that? Why do we believe that? Some people say to me, oh, Steve, you can't mean everything's up for question. Of course everything's up for question. Whether or not 
we are ready to acknowledge it, everything is questionable. And anything that's not questionable ought to be questionable. The problem with bounded set religion or bounded set anything else is it stops that thinking process. And it creates lines of demarcation in the human race. I'm a Protestant, not a Catholic. I'm a Christian, not a Muslim. I'm a Sunni, not a Shia. I'm from Saudi, not Iran. It creates demarcation in the human race. I put it to you that bounded set thinking is a real problem. And then Heibert said this. He he said there's another group of um, uh, sets, mathematically, um, that are different. They're centered sets. These are groupings of things on the basis of how they relate to other things in the group that may not be the same as themselves and how they relate to what's at the center of the group. And these groups have fuzzy edges. The problem with a centered set is it doesn't look as nice as a bounded set, does it? If you look at a bounded set, you know where you are. Look at a fuzzy set and, well, it's all a bit weird around the edges. A centered set is created by defining a center or reference point and the relationship of everything else to that center or reference point. A a centered set does not have sharp boundaries that separate the objects that are inside it from those outside it. And centered sets are therefore dynamic because stuff can come in or move. A centered set is dynamic and changing. Everything is held in relationship to what is at the center. It can grow and it can shift. Centered sets said Heiberg, when applied to faith, Christianity or religion, didn't believe that there's room for variation. That things are headed either towards or away from the centre. But everything can shift and be turned round. And you shouldn't make premature judgments. Centred set uh, Christians, said Heiberg, do not regard themselves, this is really important, do not regard themselves as having a monopoly on God or an exclusive franchise on the truth and therefore include the other, people who think differently and see things differently in ways that are empathetic and ways that are respectful and not judgmental and don't lead to exclusion. We are a centred set church. We are a centred set church. We're a centred set church because we believe that God comes to bless all people. At the centre is Christ. We are a Christ-centred church or community. That's what we always say. This is what we mean. We're Christ-centred. That's the rock-solid bit. Our commitment to Christ... And our commitment to keep on asking questions about everything in the light of who Jesus was. And that means that everybody's in. 
So in our work in this community, it's not like we're the church. And you know there are people who come send their kids to one of our schools and they're not in. They're not part of us. Actually, everybody's in. Everybody's in. Moving through the crowd, the community to the core, and some people traveling in an opposite direction. And most of us meandering and wandering, sometimes with real intent and focus, and sometimes losing all our intent and most of our focus. This is what I thought was coming first. That's a lovely picture, isn't it? On uh, Christmas Eve, this is just a for instance... On Christmas Eve, and then a smaller thing on Christmas Day, thank you to everybody who helped with both of these events, the giant event on Christmas Eve and the the smaller event um, on Christmas Day. Uh, We, as a church, took on, did we not, working with all those ex-employees of Kids Company, uh, Camilla Batmangela and all of her friends. And uh, we held... Um, I guess, well, lots of you were involved. We held a fantastic party here. Do, do come in, do come in. <laughs> we held a fantastic party here. Uh, here's just five pictures. Um, Dan took these, and uh, all these kids uh, were cleared. You know, one in five of the children who came to this party on Christmas Eve had witnessed the murder of one of their parents, normally their mother. One in four had been raped. 750 people came to the party. All of these pictures are clear because, of course, those of you who work with children will know that there's safeguarding issues around uh, pictures, so these are releasable pictures. Here's a little lad enjoying his jerk chicken. We serve them all jerk chicken. There's a group of mums and their kids. That's in here, a bouncy castle. We have one of those bucking bronco things over there. And then you had to hit that hammer and try to hit the star on the top of the tree. It was called Winter Wonderland in here. That's just one example. Why did we do it? We did it because we believe in inclusion. We believe that we are called to bring a blessing to all people. We are a centered set, not a bounded set. We don't understand edges. We don't get edges because we are followers of Jesus who includes everyone. And some people said to me, oh, you can't work with Camilla Batmangella. She's got a toxic brand. Honestly, you wouldn't believe the number of people who said that to me as though I didn't know. You know, but I'm a follower of Jesus. Jesus kind of hung out with lots of people with toxic brands. Do we not sing about that? Do we not talk about that? Do we not believe that? Oh, but when you actually do it in real life, it's kind of dangerous. Well, of course, that was the whole point. And that's what inclusion is about. So in doing this little thing, I'm not making a big thing of it. It was just, you know, something that we did last week. Um, The thing is this. That we included. We included somebody and a, and a group of people who'd been rubbished in the press, in the press, so that they become toxic. And we included this kid. Because whatever the politics are of why kids' company went down or didn't go down or whatever, in the end, did you notice that none of the press coverage ever talked about the children that were going to be abandoned? 
What does that tell you about our media and our politics? What does it tell us? No one mentioned these kids. It was as though they didn't exist. The conversation was about something else. But of course, we could talk about Harvest for Hope. It's fantastic. Thank you for volunteering for Harvest for Hope. We got all of these goods and tents and clothing and food. And now uh, working um, with Starbucks, actually, we're going to get all of that out to Greece. And some people say, you can't work with Starbucks because they don't pay their taxes. Well, do you know I'm a deeply flawed person? And you wouldn't be working with me if you just knew how deeply flawed I am. That's the whole thing about a centered set. That's the thing about inclusion. That's who we are. So here's some of the stuff we do in this community. I'm not going to go through it in detail because you know it and it's slightly out of date and it's too small to see. But that's where we are and we work in all of these other places. And of course this year we're going we're gonna to fight and fight to get this health, uh, youth health uh, centre open that's going to be there. And the new um, uh, uh, coffee shop's going to uh, open down here. And the library and we're talking to the local authority about becoming responsible for the park and the sports. And is this some big dilution of Christianity? Surely we should be holy. Well, yes. Holy means different, the Holy Bible. It means different. And the difference of Jesus was that he wasn't sanctimonious and he didn't belong to a closed set. He was part of an open set which knew no boundaries, that drew all in, that welcomed everyone as they were. So that's what we're involved in. Oasis Church, Waterloo, leads to Oasis Hub, Waterloo, and all that we do. Oasis Academy, Johanna, and South Bank, and the play space, etc., etc., etc. But then other things as well, the Dead Advice Centre. I know Nathan will think that's an out-of-date logo, which it is. And then the farm across the road, working with Jamie's farm in partnership. And then our work with South Bank Churches, which creates, there's a picture of Deeran, which creates the food bank, a project that we steer and work for, Nathan and Deeran, etc., etc., but includes everyone. Why? Because we're centered set people. We're centered on Christ. That's what it's about. We have five values. I'm not going to talk about them in depth now. We'll explore them a little bit more in the forthcoming weeks. We've had these values. We call them our five eyes. We've had them for a long time. Intimacy, involvement, inclusion, influence, and interdependence. We believe in in an intimacy with God and one another, love God and love your neighbor as yourself, that intimacy with God, understood through Jesus, leaves us to involvement in our community. That's why we're involved. That creates inclusion. Not everyone's like us. Our job is to serve all. That is about influence, not power. We don't seek power. We're not seeking some kind of block vote on things in this community. We seek simply to serve. And we understand in all this our interdependence. We're committed to these things. We're committed to community service. We believe this, don't we? That we grow in our own faith as we serve. If you really want to grow in your faith, 
Find someone to serve and give something away. That's a great principle for 2016, isn't it? What have I got that I can give away? How can I serve someone else? Because I will grow myself through that experience. We believe this, that though it's good to sit down and talk about the Bible and think through the big issues, actually it's as we get involved, we learn by doing. We learn by doing. And our theology somehow gets grounded through serving someone who's poor or disadvantaged or forgotten or doesn't have a voice. And you see, have you noticed this? You see things with a new clarity when you actually get involved rather than pontificate over a glass of wine. It's an amazing thing that happens. That's what centered sets are all about. And as we serve, our character is developed. As I give myself... I become more rounded. As I withhold myself, I become lesser of a person. A man, somebody famous once said, who I can't quite remember who they were now, a man wrapped up in himself makes a very small parcel. It's true, isn't it? And as our character develops, and as we serve, we develop spiritually. We develop spiritually in our walk with God because we recognize God in the person that's other than us and we are honed in our inner being as we walk with others we're also strengthened as well because as we take on things you think no lord we can't ever do this then we really pray i always find the more scared i am the more i pray do you find that right so i need something to be scared of there's a question what are you scared of this year What are you going to do that slightly frightens you? I don't mean, you know, panics you out of your wits so that you're paralyzed. I mean, what is slightly frightening to you? If you've got nothing that you're about that you find slightly frightening, you can't grow. You're stuck. And as we do this together, we develop relationships And we develop in our leadership in the community. Churches like to tell people, you know, historically, how to live, don't they? Do you know? The big bishop preached this sermon and told everybody what to do. Actually, you lead by leading, not by shouting. Our task is to lead in this community. And as we do that, replication comes about. Because you probably know there are endless Christian leaders who come here and will in the next few weeks to take stuff away because of what we're doing. Now, you and I are in both in the same position. Neither of us, none of us know what the next slide is, but we're hoping it's near the end. Our Bible reading. We've not read from the Bible this morning. Here are these words taken from the last book in the Bible, Revelation chapter 21. As we began this journey together, these words from the last book of the Bible, Revelation 21, became very important to us. Some of you have joined the church since then, so I just wanted you to read them to you. Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first earth and the first, uh, first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. 
He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things is passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. Fantastic words taken from the last book of the Bible. And uh, back in 2010, we asked ourselves, if this is what God's doing, if God's renewing everything, if God's coming in the end to be here and he's renewing the whole earth, because that's what the Bible says, it doesn't say we're going to float off to some cloud somewhere after our death. What it says is that in the end, God is going to come and he's going to make a new earth, renew the earth. So if God's renewing the earth, How do we join in right now? There are two words um, in Greek for the word new. And kainos means renewed. And the word that's used in Revelation, the last book of the Bible, isn't a new earth. Rubbish this one, get a new one. It's a renewed, restored earth. If God's restoring everything, how do we live as a little foretaste of what he's doing right now in 2016? And so in 2010, um, here it is, before um, Johanna's school and the South Bank school and the farm and uh, all those things, here we wrote this poem together. Those of us who were in the congregation, this is it. Oasis was 25 years old then, that's why. These are slides that I just dug out from then. Uh, We're 30 years old now, five years on. We said this. We wrote this in a giant process together. We said, it was eight o'clock on Monday morning. I was standing by Lambeth North Station and I saw a new London coming down from the heavens. What would it be like if we created a little foretaste of heaven right here? I saw a teenager leaping out of bed with joy, laughing at the freshness of the morning. Nobody believed that could happen. Do you know, some of the, um, there's an old guy called John who lives on the estate. He comes and he stands out here every morning of the week and he shakes hands. He does high fives with all the secondary school kids as they go in. And he, t- he, he, I was somewhere where I heard him speak recently. He said, joy has come to me and to these children. Um, I saw elderly ladies skipping down Kennington Road. We're, ha- we're waiting for some of you to do that. <laughs> I saw children paddling in the River Thames. I saw, that's not happened either. I saw a football match in Kennington Park, and the teams were uh, mixed people from every people group, asylum seekers and taxi drivers, policemen, prisoners, pensioners and politicians. We run football in Kennington Park, actually, now on a Monday evening. Um, people from every race and class playing and laughing in the sun. I saw a street party where people were eating and dancing because there was hope again. We even had a picture of one of our parties earlier. I looked across the community of South London, a community of hope, a community of grace, a community of warmth. And in the clearness of the morning, I looked down into the elephant and castle and there was no more asthma. I think that's got worse, actually. There were no unwanted pregnancies, no more debt, no more violence, no more overcrowding and no one was too busy. 
The river Thames was flowing with crystal clear water. There were no more needles and condoms in the park. No more sorrow of family breakdown. No more poverty. No more need. No more unemployment or mind-numbing jobs. No more hopelessness. No more sadness and tears, only joy and laughter. No more discrimination. No more drunken clubbing. No threats, no fears. The dividing walls were gone. Families and neighbors were restored. There was no more rubbish, no dealers, no guns, no knives, no dangerous dogs. There were no more racial tensions, just one harmonious mix in Technicolor. And I looked and I saw kids playing football in the streets and neighbours cheering them on. I saw homes without locks on the doors where a welcome was always guaranteed. I saw a playground with climbing frames that weren't rusty, where children threw themselves in the air without fear of harm, where the teenagers helped the little ones up to the highest climbs. I saw a London where neighbours shared favours and returned them without pressure or obligation. I saw a London where hearts were unbroken, partnerships were lasting, peaceful and happy. I saw a London where families eat and play together. I saw a London where tears were wiped away. Now that is what an Oasis church is. And as we embark on 2016, that's our goal. Always driven forward by that picture of inclusion that brings hope and forgiveness and liberation to all. A Christ-centered, open-set community. That's what we all have the joy of being part of.